Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. This morning I want you to look at Galatians 5.22 with me. In verse 22 the Bible says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. This morning, I want to speak to you from a sermon titled, Let's Get the Right Fruit. Hallelujah. Pray with me. God, thank you for your spirit that enables us, that fills us, that guides us. Thank you for allowing us, God, to be in your house today. Father, thank you for allowing us the health and the strength to be here today. God, I pray now that you would steady my heart rate, Lord, steady my mind. Father, I pray that you would anoint me to say the things that you would have me to say for your glory. And anoint us to hear the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's get the right fruit. Now, fruit is a churchy term. Well, not real. I mean, they got fruit at, at you know, Winn-Dixie. But it, they got fruit in lots of stores. But in regard to when the Bible talks about fruit, if you had not been in church for a long time, you're thinking about fruit that you eat. The Bible's talking about fruit that is an action, fruit that is a behavior, fruit that is a representative of what your life is looks like. Jesus used a teaching term called first natural, then spiritual. He would talk to people in terms that made sense to them. He would talk to farmers in farming terms. It was an agricultural society back then, and he talked to people in farming terms many times, talked to fishermen in fishing terms to get them to understand spiritual truth. And when we talk about fruit, we talk about the characteristics of one person's life or an individual's life what somebody looks like. I grew up mostly on the west side of Jacksonville. We landed here when I was 11 years old and been here mostly since then, traveled a little bit. But I've seen a lot of trees. I've seen a lot of the same trees in Jacksonville. I still don't know what they are. You can look at a tree. Some of y'all tree experts. Uh, You you can say, that's an oak tree. I told somebody one time that's an oak tree. And they said, oh, no, that's a live oak tree. As if I assumed, I said, oh, I didn't think it was dead. It's standing up. Oh, no, there's a, there's a difference. And I'm like, mm, they told me that before there was Google. I would have Googled it. I would have pulled my phone out now. They tell me something like that. I would have Googled it. But I don't know a lot about trees. I honestly, this is going to shock some of y'all. Listen, I'm good at what I do. You be good at what you do. I, I, trees ain't my business, so I'm not good at trees. I honestly couldn't tell you the difference between an apple tree and an orange tree. If you put two side by side and said, Pastor, which one of those is an apple tree? Which one? I couldn't tell you if it was a banana tree. I don't know. I'd know if it was bananas, okay? But the, unless, anybody know how I would be able to tell the difference between an apple tree and an orange tree? The fruit. If they had fruit hanging off them, I would be able to tell you which one is an orange tree. I don't know what the tree looks like, but I know what the orange looks like. I know what the fruit looks like, and the fruit's job is to declare the root. The fruit always exposes the root. 
the, the orange hanging on the limb of that tree lets you know that that is an orange tree. It tells you, it declares what's on the inside of that bark. And just like fruit hangs off a tree to declare what that tree is all about, the behaviors that we have in our life, the things that people can see in us, behaviors, actions, characteristics that they see in us is supposed to declare what's on the inside of us. Make it two degrees colder in here for me, Deacon. We are supposed to declare what's on the inside of us. Now, before we were Christians, was nothing on the inside of us but ourselves. But the Bible says when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes inside you to live inside you. And what you look like on the outside ought to be a declaration of what has happened to you on the inside. So when the Bible talks about fruit, it's talking about things people can see in your life that let them know what's on the inside of you. The Bible said, G Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits. Now, let me ask you this. Don't answer out loud. But if somebody had followed you around every minute of every hour of every day for the last seven days, what type of fruit would they have seen off of you? What type of behavior? Would they be able to look at you after seven days and say, that dude looks like what a Christian's supposed to look like. That's good fruit. Or would they say, well, I know he says he's saved, but Lord, have mercy. Pray for him. Okay? Whether you're in the right side or the wrong side, if you're saved and you love the Lord, I want you to lock into this message because this message is for you. In Galatians 5.22, God is, is teaching us that there is a difference between bad fruit and good fruit. And in the verses before verse 22, God lists what the, the bad fruit is. And he gives a long list of things that should not be active, should not be characteristics of the life of his children. You know, the father wants his children to look like him. I was so glad last week when I, I put some pictures up of my kids and I had a couple different people um, rallying around and told me, man, I used to think that your boys look like their mom, but I see so much of you in this. And I was, I was swollen on the inside because every dad wants his sons to look like him. That's all you, it's all you got, kids. I couldn't do no better. This is what, this is what you're going to get, but it's worked for me for a long time, so, so keep believing. God is our heavenly father, and he wants us as his children to look something like him when we walk through the earth. So the verses prior to 22, we're talking about all the bad things that you can see in people's life. I, I'm going to tell you, you can't always tell. Some people are just in a bad season. Some, some people don't have the right fruit hanging off their life just, just because they're a little messed up right now. Even the great worshiper, warrior, King David of the Old Testament has seasons in his life where if you'd have looked at him, he didn't look like a follower of Jehovah. But more times than not, you ought to have some good fruit hanging off your life. And I want you to get determined today to make sure that you have some good fruit hanging off your life. Because this is what Jesus has commanded us to do. Now, if your life, let, let's just see if who's, who's awake and let's see who's paying attention. If we looked at one person and every day they got sloppy drunk, high, didn't go to work, laid up, slept all day long, clubbed all night long, uh, beat their woman, would we guess that this is a Christian man or an unchristian? Un a non, I made up a word, non-Christian. 
Why would we just assume that this man is not truly born again? Because of his actions. This is the fruit that we see in his life. Uh, now, I'm pretty sure that dude, that, that dude ain't saved, but that might not be a good example. But if we go on the other side and we see a man who gets up every morning and prays before his feet hit the ground, reads his Bible every day, says his prayers, makes good choices, pays tithes and offerings, serves his God and his community, loves God and people, would we probably assume that that man was saved or unsaved? Only because of what we see. But here's the deal. God says that as men, as humans, we look on the outside, but God sees the inside. How many of y'all know there have been times in your life where you weren't really revealing on the outside what you had on the inside? Can I get a witness by anybody today? But the desire to bear good fruit is in every Christian. The desire to honor God and to be who God wants you to be is in every Christian. I want to tell you something today. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. It doesn't matter how many degrees you have in theology. It doesn't matter how long you've been pastoring. Every one of us is capable of bad decisions. Every, I don't care how much time you spend in prayer. I don't care how much time you spend in the Bible serving God and the community. You are capable of some really jacked up stuff. The Bible says as human beings, our heart is deceitfully wicked, that we are capable of betrayal and of rejection. We are capable of doing some really foul stuff. That's why the Bible, and I, on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights when we slow it down and I teach from the floor and we talk about what the Scripture says, I, I ask so many times, why would God tell his children who are saved, sanctified, fire baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, why would he tell them not to lie, steal, worry, get drunk, commit adultery? Why would he tell them not to be drunk? Why would he tell them all those things? And, and the right answer is, is what, anybody? Because they're capable of doing those things. Because there are times when they do those things. So I want us to look today, and I preface what I'm going to say by what I just said, because some of y'all are so churchy, you don't understand that inside the church, there are Christian people who are struggling with real issues. I thought when I first got into the church, it was never going to be a place for me. I knew God had saved me. God saved me in my bedroom. I knew God had changed my life. I, I, I had a whole new outlook and a whole new attitude. I knew God had saved me. But when I went to church, I thought, hmm. All these people in here look perfect. All, all, all of them look put together. And I was a broken throwaway. Uh, I was still waiting on felony charges in St. Augustine when I got saved. I had been released out of the jail in St. Augustine on felony charges. I had, they, they told me that they would get in touch with me. I was sitting in my home waiting to see when my trial date was going to be when God saved me I knew I was saved for real but I go to church this this little uh gutter fiend this this uh dude coming off drugs coming off alcohol coming off no hey listen when I graduated high school and I don't advocate this when I graduated high school I never filled out a college application I didn't take SAT in high school why I knew I wasn't going to college I had a different plan what crime I, I, I was selling drugs and 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 stealing my way to, to what I wanted. I didn't have a job when I graduated high school. Wasn't looking. Well, I had a job, but it was doing dirt. I didn't have a real job because I had no plan of fitting into the world system, the, the man-made system. I was, I was on my own path of 
destruction. But when God saved me and I went into that church and I looked around and everybody looked so perfect and everybody smiled and said the right thing and they all acted like they didn't have any problems. And I thought, I could never fit into these people because I know I'm not perfect. And church has done a horrible job of making non-perfect people, imperfect people, feel like they don't fit in. Some churches, like ours, openly admit our faults, our failures, our sinful uh, uh, possibilities and actualities. Some churches, like Abundant Life, openly admit that we are imperfect people serving a perfect God. But most churches lay out such a format of false churchhood. The preacher lays out such a format of untouchable idea of so holy now, let me tell you something. He's not, his deacons ain't, his elders ain't, and the people in his church ain't. Every church, every Christian church in America is filled with flawed, imperfect people that are trying day by day to serve and honor God. Can anybody agree with that? I think this concept of what these other churches are putting out is hurting the ability for us to reach our generation. How could somebody that is honest come to the average church and not realize, I can't fit in with these people? They're, they're playing a game. They're playing a role. They're, they're faking it. And I'm, I'm just too real. That's one of the things. Listen, like me, love me, hate me, don't even bother with me. But one thing you have to, if you're going to be honest about me, you're going to have to say this. Pastor Scott was real. He was raw. He was authentic. Anybody believe that, that I just tell it how it is and I don't play games and I'm just here to say what God told me to say? I'm not trying to put on no attitude. I'm not trying to make you think that I'm high and holy because I'm not. I'm just like you. I'm a Christian in my process, becoming who God wants me to be. But there are too many churches trying to preach and teach that their pastor, their leaders, their elders, their deacons are all perfect people, and everybody should ascribe to be like them. But if you're sitting there thinking, well, I want to be a leader in God's church because I love the Lord with everything I've got. But you look around and see everybody that's a deacon wearing $3,000 suits, driving Mercedes and, and BMW. You look around and see everybody that, that's a deacon uh, just live, living like they ain't got no problems. It makes you think, well, they've never let me be one. Y'all saw that young man in T-shirts, dirty tennis shoes, and, and gym shorts up here giving announcements today? Uh-huh. That's what's real. That's, that's a young man that really loves God, loves his wife, loves his children. Uh, love serving in the Lord's church. Don't let church folk bother you and make you think because you don't fit into their mold that you don't really love God as much as they do. Can anybody give me a testimony for that? Hallelujah. I was reading this week asking God to tell me what he wanted me to tell the people, asking God to show me what he'd have me to say. You say, Pastor, how does God speak to you? Does, does he have a deep voice? Does, does he really sound like James Earl Jones? Because, you know, you want to have God in a movie. you got to get James Earl Jones. That's the voice that sounds like God. But, no, God doesn't talk to us primarily in an audible voice. The Bible says he speaks to us in a still, small voice on the inside. So I don't hear God externally with my ears, either softly or loudly, but I hear him on the inside guiding me and leading me. See, that's what faith is. If God shows up in your room every night and tells you exactly what to do, you don't need faith. 
And God said, faith pleases him. So it's not that he said, Scott Becker, open your Bible and read Galatians 5. No, I was just reading, and I felt led to go to Galatians 5 and read this passage that I've read so many different times. And as I began to read it, God began to assure me in my heart that this is something that he wanted me to share with our church and with the world. I shared it with the world first, and now I want to share it with the church. Uh, if you follow me on social media, you saw a glimpse of what I'm going to talk about today because I was so excited for, for the revelation that God was giving me in reading this that I put some of this on my Facebook page the other day. So some of y'all have seen a portion of this fruit thing. But I said it on social media to make an open declaration to make myself accountable to the world. And I want you to know today that I have begun a process this week that I hope to continue as long as I live of replacing my bad behavior with good behavior. You're like, well, I don't know if I can go to a church with a pastor that has bad behavior. Well, you're out of gas then. Because not only are we all capable of doing stuff, everybody does stuff that they have to repent of. That's why I give God praise that when we confess, he forgives. Amen? So I looked at these nine fruits of the Spirit. And I've been hearing pastors falsely say, I got all nine gifts of the Holy Ghost. These are not gifts of the Holy Ghost. These are fruits. These are outward expressions. These are characteristics that God's Spirit can enable us to do in opposition to what we've been doing. And I want to cross over in a bigger way and leave more behind me and move forward to more of what God has for me. Many people, many pastors couldn't make that confession because they put up such a fake image of perfection to their people. I think you should be glad and rejoice that Pastor Scott is really striving and pressing forward to be a real Christian and the man that God has called him to be. Are anybody glad to have a real preacher? So I look at these nine characteristics, these nine behavior attitudes, these nine things that the Bible says are the fruit. In verse 22, the Bible says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, colon. I've always taught you to pay attention to the punctuation. Pause on punctuation. Try to digest the word in phrases. Don't read it of of a verse or a chapter at a time read it a phrase at a time so you can digest it and get it down on the inside but the holy spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives colon and then it goes on to list nine different things that god says he produces in our life i need some literary experts with me this morning i need some street professors with me this morning to help everybody understand what it says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. In and of that phrase, does that sound like that that is something that is actually going to be done? Is this saying that the Holy Spirit does this? Or is this saying that maybe some kind of way, if, if you line up just right, the Holy Spirit will do this? Is it saying that he does it or he might do it? It's saying that he does it. And there's many times when I read the Bible, and I've been telling y'all the whole 16 years we've been a church, I read the Bible and I find disconnects. I find, I find stuff that make me say, hmm, I find stuff that I know is right because I know the Bible is right. I believe every word in the Bible is right. 
but it's not always right in me. I know that the Word of God is always right, but it doesn't always line up with me. If I'm not living the Word, then the Word is not applicable to me. So the Scripture says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, and it goes on to list these nine different things that many of us don't exhibit, that many people who are truly saved exhibit the opposite of. And so I have a disconnect. God says that He produces this kind of fruit in our life. It doesn't say, but the Holy Spirit can produce this kind of fruit in our lives. But I want you to understand, when the Word of God is written, it's written from God's perspective. It's written from the desire of our Father. It's God's desire for His Spirit to produce this kind of fruit in our lives. The first one says, love. Now, God's Spirit produces love in our lives. Anybody ever met somebody who was saved that really could use some work on loving folk? Man, I've met some Christians that were just mean, just hard. I know they were saved, but they just were dealing with issues. So why is it when the Word says that the Holy Spirit produces this in our lives? We've been talking about ways to understand the Bible for a long time. There are certain keys that will help you stay connected to what the Word is saying. When the Bible says that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, who is the our talking to? Christians, this is us. Us is Christians, them is non-Christians. I love that because I was raised in an America that, that was, was it might have been worse now, but it's still the same then, but it's still the same now, where us and them was talking about something different. Y'all don't need me to get into it. But we live in a country uh, where us and them. I, I, I thank God. I, 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 Hesica, I just wish I could be Hispanic. Because Hispanics don't have to worry about us and them. They, they, just, they just, you know, they're just having a Cinco de Mayo on their own. They're, they're, just, they're just rejoicing and laughing. They, they don't have a us and them. They, they, they're not polarized between white and black. But I thank God when I came into God's kingdom that the us was everybody that loves the Lord no matter what color they had on the outside. Red, yellow, black, and white. That's who the us is, people who are truly saved. But I've seen, the next thing says joy. Anybody ever seen or known a time in your own life where you truly are saved, but you didn't have joy just hanging all off you for everybody to see? Anybody? Some of y'all wouldn't tell the truth if I put a gun to your head right now. You say, Pastor, they got guns in church? Believe that. Ain't no crazy redneck coming in here shooting us up. We, we got people on every corner. Hey, listen, if I say duck, don't wait. Mm-mm. The Bible says you got to discern the times and know the seasons. You got to prepare. Listen, this is the safest building you will ever come into. This is the safest church grounds you will ever come into. You can trust your family at Abundant Life. You can trust your children on, on these grounds. Let, let me keep moving. I know that there are real Christians. Why? Because I've seen it in my own life. I've been saved coming up next month will be 32 years. And there have been times in my life where I was more loving and times in my life where I was less loving, but I was still the same saved. There have been times in my life where I had more joy and times when I had less joy, but I was still saved. It's just a process. It's going through. It says the Holy Spirit produces peace in our lives. Well, 
The Bible says that we should have peace. How many of y'all know there's saved people, sanctified, really love the Lord, that struggle with peace? The enemy fighting. See, here's one of the reasons. One of the reasons is a lot of us were raised with bad programming. A lot of us were told a lot of bad stuff by our mentors, our tormentors, that, that put a lot of bad programming in our mind, created a lot of difficulty, junk we have to sort through. But above and beyond that, we all have a real enemy that wants to steal all the good stuff from us. So there'll be times in your life where you're supposed to be a tree with Holy Ghost fruit hanging off you and every limb in your life is barren. Not because you're not saved, but because you allowed through bad choices to get yourself in a situation where you open the door for the enemy to come and take all the fruit off your life. So now you're just standing there as this barren tree that nobody can really tell. Is he saved? Is he lost? Is he God's people or is he not? And don't believe this can't happen to you because the Scripture says to take heed when you think you stay unless you fall. That's the believers. Don't get so churchy in your life that you think that other people can fall, but you can't fall. Don't get so churchy in your life to think that just because you made a fresh commitment to God last week that you've been reading your Bible four days in a row. Don't think that you're always going to be perfect all the days of your life. So it says... The Holy Spirit produces patience. This is God's determined will that His Spirit would produce patience in the lives of His children. But how many of y'all know we can be just as impatient as we were before Christ? Especially, hey, get on Blanding Boulevard around Christmas time. Let me tell, tell me how patient you are then. Try to be coming from, try to be going east on 103rd Street and try to get up on 295 go, going north and lie to be backed up two red lights and the people don't listen you will learn about it have some children that you got to tell something to three times you'll find out Christians can be impatient God wants us to be but the Holy Spirit wants to produce this in your life but it doesn't always happen kindness the God wants the Holy Spirit to produce kindness when people see you they ought to see kindness just hanging all over you just kindness. They ought to see, oh, that, that girl, just, she's just kind to everybody. Y'all believe that there are real Christians that ain't always kind to everybody? If you don't, I, I can point out at least two. Me and you. I need the Lord. I don't know about y'all, but I need the Lord. I need God to be my mind regulator. I need God to cover me, to shelter me. I need God to oversee me. See, this is the difference between me and you, me and some people. I'll be honest about me. Some people get in church and they just automatically lie. It's just like, we're in church now, y'all lie. They make YouTube videos about it now, cracking on it because it's so real. Husband and wife driving, driving to work, kids in the backseat, everybody cussing everybody out. Uh, R. Kelly, uh, R, I saw R. Kelly doing some Christian music. I don't know who, who's who now because I, I ain't up on it. But they, li, listen, listening to crazy music. Anybody remember R. Kelly? Stop listening to 12 Play. That would pervert your mind. But listening to worldly music, bumping and thumping all the way to church, arguing and fussing, pulling the church parking lot. Throw it on gospel. The mom or the dad, whoever's in charge, and it varies from family to family. Turn around and look at everybody. Y'all better sit up straight and shut up. 
act like you got manners. Well, now we're acting like we got manners because you didn't teach us to have manners. Okay. And then they all get out of the car, put on their mask. They're in church. How y'all doing this morning? Oh, Pastor, we just saved, sanctified, fire baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. We just blessed, always ahead, never to tell, always above, never beneath. We we just living in the glory of God, in the sunshine, beautiful. God give the sunshine, and just I just want to just. Mm. You know what that is? That's you dying right there. You know what that is? That's your last gasp before I snatch your larynx out your throat. It's aggravating to see people behave like that because it runs off all the real people. And I would rather have five real people who admit that they got struggles but they love the Lord than a thousand people coming to church faking it all the time. This is what's supposed to be hanging off us. This is what's supposed to be our fruit. This is what God determined that his spirit can give us goodness. Goodness. Some folks look too busy doing dirt to be good. Faithfulness. <laughs> you don't have to look any further than the giving report to see how faithful people are. You want to know what you really love? The Bible says that you, uh, your heart is where your treasure is. You, you, want to, you want to see what you love? Look, look at your bank statement. Go online and look at your bank account. You, you see nine, your last nine transactions at Walmart. You love you some Walmart. I ain't mad at Walmart. All these people mad at Walmart, don't want Walmart in their neighborhood. I ain't mad at Walmart a bit. Uh, hey, save money. I'm about it. When we take up an offering, we're not taking up an offering so we can big build or build big build build bigger buildings. We're taking up an offering so we can do bigger ministry. No one on this church staff, had had a raise above where they were 10 years ago in 10 years. We've reduced our salaries to continue to do ministry. We're not taking up money for people. We're taking up money for ministry. But God wants us to be faithful. You say, oh, Pastor, I'm just so faithful. I, I, I squeeze that dollar really hard before I put it in the bucket. God said, give 10% on the first day of everything that came into your possession that week. You, you got $477 in food stamps this week. Pastor, I'm supposed to tithe on food stamps? Was that increase for you? Is that a blessing to you? Is that real money? Your Social Security check. Man, I'm so glad. Third day of the month. I remember when I was working at the labor pool. I ran a labor pool down down uh, town Jacksonville on the corner of Maine and Beaver, in the heart of the city. And daily work, daily pay. I was a vice president of a staffing company. They called it a staff company. It it really was, uh, you know, just took a bunch of homeless people, sent them out to work, give them a check at the end of the day that they cashed in the parking lot for the drug man, uh, and then went back to the shelter with nothing. And that's what really launched my min- my ministry to care about hurting people. And I, and I walked away from that job just to share Christ downtown Jacksonville, walk the streets of downtown Jacksonville. But so, so many times people, they, 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 they look at 
not giving to Christ as no big deal. When the Bible says to give 10% of everything that comes in your life. I want you to know I've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing what God told me. I've been faithful in my living and faithful in my giving. And I want to testify to you today that whatever area you are faithful to God in, he'll be faithful to you in. If you be faithful to him in your finances, he'll be faithful to you in your finances. Faithfulness, that's what God wants. In verse 23, it's got two more of these nine things. Gentleness. Gentleness. <laughs> I remember when our church administrator first came to work here. Well, how long ago was that? 2006, 11 years ago. And we knew each other because that's my biological sister. We grew up in the same home. She sheltered me from an abusive upbringing. Sometimes, sometimes she couldn't. So we knew each other, but we never worked together in a day-to-day, side-by-side, my office, her office. That's how we've been for the last 11 years, day in, day out. And I I do a lot of counseling. Thank God I do less now than I used to do. But I do a lot of counseling, and I don't counsel people alone. I don't talk to women in my office alone. I don't talk to anybody in my office with the door closed. Y'all hear me? Because people will lie on you and try to set you up, and I ain't getting put in a trick bag by no crazy people. So when I have a counseling session, I try to bring in somebody, and many times there'll be nobody there other than our administrator. So I tell my sister, come on and sit in this counseling session with me. And so I'm talking about gentleness now. We grew up rough. We grew up cuss you out, fight, steal, shoot you. I got shot at. It's so funny that God put this church here. The, 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 the last time I got shot at was right here off Firestone in Sweetwater. I can show you the driveway where they littered bullets uh, in my direction, and the owner of the house came out with a shotgun pointing it at me. I'm like, they're the one shooting. We grew up hard and violent, but God wants us to be gentle. And my sister knows, I, I, I got, just like you got, I got the old me and I got the new me. When I hear people say, Pastor, I almost gave them a piece of my mind, I always cringe on the inside. They don't need a piece of your mind. They need you to give them the mind of Christ. So I would see my sister sitting there squirming. Once people started getting ignorant and coming hard at me and, 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 and telling me, you know, they, they fake like they want a counseling session, but then they want to sit in there and just rake me over the coals and tell me everything that's wrong with me. And I see my sister just start getting nervous, and she's thinking, oh, God, I hope he just don't, I hope he don't just flip the desk over. My, my sister see me dive across bars and jump on folks. And she, I see her squirming, and I know what she's thinking. I hope he don't lose his cool right now and act a fool. And so many times in that first year, she would say to me, I don't even know why I get nervous because you always show love and grace. You're always so kind to to the people that come in. You you remember those days? And we are determined by God to be gentle. How many of y'all know we ain't always gentle? Catch somebody on the wrong day, you might not get this sanctified speech. You might get a bat upside your neck. Just keep it real. You can't progress until you get honest. The truth will set you free. 
Lying about who you are will keep you wearing a mask all your life. Then the ninth thing, self-control. Now, this is a funny one on the list <laughs> because the, the verse before it says that the Spirit of God produces these things in our lives. He produces self-control. Well, we count on the Holy Ghost to keep us being gentle and kind, loving. We count on the Holy Ghost to keep us patient. But then I get to this last one, and it says self-control. Now, if I read self-control, who's supposed to be controlling me? Self. Some people are so busy wondering when the Holy Ghost is going to come through and do something for them when God says he wants you to have self-control. A proof text that you truly are saved is your ability to control yourself. I grew up with very little to no self-control. I grew up in a house where, where dishes flew. Kool-Aid got broken glasses on walls, stained walls. People got choked out, unconscious, beat in the face. I grew up where anything could just set any one of the people in my house off, except Dina. Dina's always been a peacemaker. She always tried to pick up the pieces behind everybody's foolishness. But I grew up in a very extreme situation. And so self-control, what? Some, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, don't start none what? That's your only option. Why? Because if you mess with the bull, what? That's it. And I grew up with this false thinking that I carried into my Christianity of they started it. So I what? And I felt justified in that because they really did start it. And I could prove that they started it. But that didn't justify me finishing it. It exhibited... I lack the ability to control myself under opposition. So I want you to think, don't answer out loud this morning, but when somebody attacks you verbally or in their car, you got to love the dude that cuts you off and hangs, rolls his window down and shoots the bird at you, cussing, screaming at you when he's, when he's the fool. When you get into a tough situation, when somebody's yelling and screaming at you and cussing at you, how do you respond? See, because spirituality, and we all hope to be spiritual, spirituality is not measured by how much Bible you know. Spirituality is not measured by how much money you give. Spirituality, and all these things are good things that should be done, but spirituality is not measured by how many times you come to church. Spirituality is definitely not measured by how you act. Anybody can fake it for a couple hours on Sunday. Anybody can, listen, I know for sure we've got crack addicts and former crack addicts that have been a part of this ministry for a long time. We've got drunks and former drunks that have been part of this ministry for a long time. We've got abusers and former abusers that have been part of this ministry for a long time. We can, we can do us or we can do God. You've got to get this. You can do you or you can do God. That's why the Bible says, let the mind of Christ be in you. Replace you with what God has for you. So when I see self-control, I realize that this is a measure of maturity because Christianity is not based on how you act. It's more determined and exposed by how you react. Everybody's acting good right now. Let somebody step up to you and be ignorant. Then let's see how you react. Sitting here being nice, that's all I act. 
for some of you is who you are. I appreciate that. But, but for some people, they're just like, when are you going to shut up so I can go? See, it's an act. Christianity is not, your spirituality is not measured by how you act. Because anybody can put on a mask. But it is exposed by how you react. When you get squeezed, what comes out of you? So many people, I've heard them say, well, she made me. You know, there are crazy men in this world who beat their wives. They all need to be left alone with me and my deacons. Can we handle them, Cedric? They just leave, just give, give them to us for an hour. But there are crazy men in the world who put hands on women. That's wrong in every situation. Can anybody agree with that? And never time you put your hand on a woman, from a child all the way till you die. But I have counseled couples where the man looked me in my face and said, she makes me do it. I say again, it's her fault. She wearing a black eye sitting in my office because it's her fault that you grown man balled up your fist and punched your wife in the face. And in his crazy mind, that's what he believes because he has no self-control. So he thinks that when somebody does something wrong, whatever he does in retaliation is justifiable. We need, you need to see how you react. Because when you get squeezed in life under the pressure and the strain of life, what is the deepest thing in you is going to come out of you. Some of y'all remember the sponge demonstration. I took a clean sponge out of a packet. I dipped it in purple Kool-Aid. And I held it up. And there was nothing coming out of that sponge. And it just looked like a sponge. But when I squeezed it, guess what came out of it? Purple Kool-Aid. Because what's inside of you comes out of you when you get squeezed. It's nobody else's fault. Nobody else ever made you act ignorant. She made me do it. He made me do it. They just pushed my buttons. That all may be, they may push your buttons, but your response is up to you. You're accountable for what you do, and the Bible says we ought to have self-control. How many of y'all know sometimes we don't exhibit the amount of self-control we should? Think about the last time you got into it on your job, in your home with your spouse, with your children, with your pastor. All right, let me get this up and I'll be done. So we got love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what God wants people to see in us. He wants them to see us loving, filled with joy, just peace like a river, just patient beyond all explanation. He wants to see us kind to everybody, just good all the time, faithful in all our living and all our giving. He wants to see us gentle in a world full of hard people, and he wants to see us have self-control in the midst of aggression. Now, see, that takes me back, put verse 22 on the screen. I can't do none of those things in my flesh. I'm like the Apostle Paul. In my flesh dwells no good thing. I don't have the ability in me to be that ninefold person. That just ain't who I was before Christ. I need God, and I need verse 22. I need the Holy Spirit to bring this to pass in my life. I need God's help to bring this to pass. That's why I got to get up every morning and say my prayers, read my Bible, and make good choices. That's why I got to stay in the Word of God. Some of y'all ain't been in the Bible in weeks. I've been saying it for years, and I hope that it never comes to pass. I hope that it never happens in reality. But if I don't read the Bible for three days in a row, everybody in the city's going to know it. Why? Because I'm going to do something crazy. 
I need to be in the Word of God. I need God to constrain me. I need God to put His arms around me and guide me because I know I am not this ninefold person in myself. I need the Lord. You say, well, well, I need a better pastor. Well, you won't find a more honest one. And we all have these struggles. So here's what I determined to do this week. I remembered as I was studying for this message, I remember what Nancy Reagan said in the 80s. All presidents' wives try to come up with some stuff. They want to have the, the first lady initiative. Listen, mm, I ain't got no heat against President Obama or his family. Uh, I believe we ought to love all our leaders and pray for them. That's what the Bible teaches. So I never had, no, I, I never had no, you ain't never seen me campaigning for or against no politician. They all need our prayers, especially the one we got now. Um, but when First Lady Michelle Obama came out with what she has to come out with because they make them, you got to come up with something to, to, to make you look like you got, you know, got it going on. So she decided her First Lady initiative would be to destroy my children's lunch. Man, I, I'm spending, you know, $40 a week on kids' lunch because my kids grab, you know, chips and ice cream and, all that extra stuff. But when they wrecked the schools, took Coke machines out of the elementary and the junior high schools, started make, they make my children grab a fruit and a vegetable when all they want is that meat, three bags of potato chips, and a drink. And I've asked my kids, what do you do with it? And they told me, same thing all my friends do with it. You want to know what these kids are doing with all this healthy food? That... All the kids in the background, they're like that. They just toss it right off in the garbage. I hope you knew that. Your son is saying he throws his fruits and vegetables away, so it ain't no different than mine. They make us buy stuff that we don't eat. We're filling up the trash can with fruits and vegetables right now because of the initiative. She decided she wrecked children's lunches in an effort to try to make children healthier. Listen. You, you can't make kids healthy off school lunch. They can come home, sit down, and eat cheese doodles all day long. But it was a good idea because we have an obese group of children. So I understand her mindset. She was good in her heart and she had a good idea. But you got too many kids like mine that will throw that stuff away. Let me get back to Nancy Reagan's initiative. She had to come up with something. She came up with something that she knew absolutely nothing about. She decided to go on a war on drugs. And her slogan was, just say no to drugs. And this was her thing. And so they had people going around, like first lady, go around, talk to kids, talk to social groups, and just, just say no, just say no, just say no. Well, if you've never done bad behavior, it's easy to say no to bad behavior. That ain't who you are. But if you've been doing it, for a long time, just saying no to it is not a good answer. You can't just say no. If you've been drinking 18 beers a day for the last 10 years, and I come tell you, well, just say no. <laughs> that ain't happening. That ain't reasonable. If you've been smoking weed, if you've been smoking an eighth every day for the last 20 years, well, just say no. You can't just say no. 
when you get rid of something, human nature demands the only way to stay rid of something is to replace it with something else. If you say no to something, see, she, she had the first half down, but because she had never done nothing, she didn't know nothing. She ain't never been strung out on drugs. She named Reagan. She was 105 when she was in office. So, I mean, you know she wasn't doing drugs. Y'all remember Nancy Reagan? She wasn't a young woman. But she tried a good thing, just like First Lady Michelle Obama tried a good thing. Want to get our children skinnier. Didn't work. They're still fat. She wanted to get our kids off drugs by just telling them no. Well, that doesn't work for, for people who, who use. That doesn't work for people who have bad behavior. You can't say no to just being mean if you've been mean every day of your life. I say, well, just say no to being mean. You have to replace it. I'm going to give you one example. Wrap this up. Pay attention. Lock in on this. Some of y'all old as me, and you remember, that's your Kojak. Anybody remember Kojak? Tell us, Wallace, bald head dude, cop show. He walked around with something in his mouth all the time. Anybody remember that? Lollipop. Why'd he have a lollipop in his mouth? Because he quit smoking. He needed that hand to mouth. That routine he had been doing for years, he couldn't just say no to cigarettes without replacing it with something. So he needed a bridge from where he was to get to where he wants to be. And every one of us in this room need a bridge from where we are to get to where we hope to be. Church just tells you to just don't do it. Church just tells you to quit doing all the wrong stuff, but they don't really provide you a bridge to get to where you are. So they say, don't, you, you need to stop doing all that. You need to stop doing all that wrong stuff and, and just be who God wants you to be. And then it's just up, down, do right, fail, do right, fail. No bridge to really get there. Well, God gave me a bridge this past week, and I want to share it with you because I want to say no to all wrong behavior. I want to embrace. I, I want the Holy Spirit to produce these nine things in my life. But there are blockages, there are strongholds, there are places where the enemy will get into your life and, and, and create disconnects where you're not all that God wants you to be. So here's what I decided. you got to look at what the opposite of something is to get to where you want to be. Well, if God wants to produce love in our life, anybody know what a good opposite for love is? Hate. So I've made a declaration to replace all hatred with love. You say, Pastor, you, you, you filled with hate? No. You ever have hate? Well, don't try me. We see the next thing is joy. Well, I figured, okay, well, I, I, I want joy, but what, what do I have to replace to get to joy? I got to replace all depression with joy. When you feel hate rising up in you, you need to call on love. And ask God to help you be loving in this situation. When you feel depression rising up in you, you need to call on God's spirit and, and remind yourself that it's his will for you to have joy. I looked at peace, and I said, well, the Bible says that we shouldn't worry. We should have peace. So I'm deciding to replace all worry with peace. When I feel, see, I got nine things that I'm capable of rising up in me that I've been trying to say no to for a long time, but I'm going to say no to them. I'm going to replace them with some stuff. When, when, when I feel worry in my life, you say, Pastor, do you worry a lot? Not really. I, I'm not one of those worry warp people, but I'm as capable of worry as the next person. So when I feel myself worrying, I'm going to replace that with peace. And I'm going to ask God, Lord, fill me with your spirit and give me peace. The next one was patience. Well, obviously, opposite to patience is impatience. Pastor, are you impatient? <laughs> 
probably. Without God, I can be very patient when the Lord is filling my life and when I'm yielding to God. And that's what I want. I want to be patient with people in their process. I want to be patient with myself. I want to be patient with what God's plan is. So I've been trying to be patient for a long time, but I got impatience in my life. So I need to replace my impatience with patience. See, I'm learning not to just say no to the bad behavior. I'm learning what to replace it with on the good behavior. The next one is kindness. Well, what I got to do, I got to replace meanness with kindness. You say, Pastor, can you be mean? Let me ask you this. Can you be mean? Well, then let's don't ever get locked in a room together. Hallelujah. In my flesh, I can do all these things, but I don't want to live a life in my flesh. I want to live a life in the spirit. So when I feel myself being mean, I got to call on the Lord and ask him to give me kindness because that's what he wants to produce in my life. Are you following me? The next thing is goodness. Well, I've decided to replace all anger with goodness. Anytime I feel myself getting angry, you say, Pastor, can you get angry? Are we still asking the same dumb question? Everybody can get angry. We can all act ignorant. We all get pushed to our point. We can come out in, in our flesh. God wants us to live in the spirit and not in the flesh. Well, So when you feel yourself getting angry, you need to call on the Lord and ask him to give you goodness. Because the scripture says that the Holy Spirit wants to produce these things in your life. The next one is faithfulness. When I feel myself being unfaithful, I could say, Scott, stop being unfaithful. Or I could remind myself, Scott, you're being unfaithful, and God wants you to be faithful. So ask God to replace your unfaithfulness with faithfulness. See, this is a replacement system to say no to stuff and then say yes to better stuff. The next one is gentleness. When I feel myself being hard, when I feel myself having hardness in my life, in my attitudes, in my actions, in my thoughts, I need to remind myself, not only just, Scott, stop being hard. Okay. Well, if I've been hard my whole life and you tell me stop being hard, where am I going to go from there? I got to have a bridge to get to somewhere. So when I feel myself being hard, I got to call on the Lord and say, God, I know you want me to be gentle. Please produce gentleness in me right now. This is a transition. This is a bridge over. The last one is self-control. I got to replace rage with self-control. You say, Pastor, you got rage? Let's talk about it later. I'm as capable in my flesh of being as wrong as I've ever been, even as a pastor in the Lord's church. And that's why I need the Lord. That's why I need the Lord to fill me with the Spirit. That's why I need the Lord to guide me. That's why I need God to replace my wrongs with his rights. Church people can't get this because they'll never admit they have issues. But real Christians who want to be all that God wants them to be can operate this. I was running, and I forgot, and I'm upset that I forgot. I've been carrying a three-by-five card in my back pocket with me everywhere I go for the last three days. I've been carrying this card in my back pocket, and on the front it says replace. And then it says underneath, hatred with love, depression with joy, worry with peace, impatience with patience, meanness with kindness, anger with goodness, unfaithfulness with faithfulness, hardness with gentleness, and rage with self-control. And I've been looking at that over and over all day. Because I want to make sure that when people see me, they see the new me and not the old me. The new me? Oh, I, I, I can display and, and, and I strive to display all nine of these things constantly as my way of life. 
but I can drift back. And when I drift back, no is not enough. I need to replace it with something. So when I find myself acting contrary, any of those emotions, actions, behaviors rising up in my life, I'm going to say no to it. I am determined to ask God to fill me with his spirit in in every day and to lead me so I won't have these evil patterns in my life. And you need to do it too. I'm studying. I'm taking this a step further. I'm studying what the Bible has to say on all 18 of these behaviors. I'm studying on what the Word says about hatred because it's going to explain to me why I shouldn't have it. I'm studying what the Word says about depression and worry and all those things. And I'm studying all the nine good words too because I want to fill my mind. And this is, this is the whole catch right here. This is the end. You need to know what the Bible says about your issue. Whatever issue you have, drinking, fornicating, gossip, worry, whatever issue you have, if you'll be honest with it and research, Google what the Bible says about it, then you will be armed for success because the Bible says that God's word will lead you into the truth. Last verse, John 17, 17. Jesus said, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word. Now, this is one of those examples where them is actually talking to his followers. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. The scripture says that the truth will set you free. The word is what the truth is. You need to get Bible on your issue. You live a, you live a life of fear and in, in worry in your mind. You just need to do a Bible search on worry and read all the verses that deal with that. You can't stop fornicating. You can't stop lying. You can't stop overeating. Get Bible on your issue. Because when you get Bible on your issue, then you have armed yourself to cross over to being who God wants you to be. Nine things that God wants alive in my life. Nine behaviors that I'm capable of not living out. I've been trying to say no to this stuff for a really long time. Well, right now I'm armed with what to say yes to. And I want you to get armed with what to say yes to. So I went on Facebook, which is just filled up with carnal people that don't love the Lord. It's on there for evil purpose. But I went on there for good, and I made this confession to the world. And I, I put this sentence, last thing I put on there, I said, please pray for me to be transformed by the renewing of my mind and the surrender of my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I invited everyone to join me in this process. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray for me that God would renew my mind. And let his fruit hang off me all the time. See, I don't live different in the pulpit than I live at home. That's one of the things that separate me. I don't live different when I go out of town than I live in town. That's one of the things that separate me from a lot of my pastor friends. I don't live different. But I don't always exhibit the behavior that God wants me to. And I've asked God to forgive me of that. I want to ask you to forgive me of that. If I've failed you, if I've let you down, if you've seen less than perfect in me, understand that I'm a human being. And I, wanna, I want God to be glorified in my life. So I have to surrender my evil behavior to his good behavior. I have to replace what's wrong in me with what he wants to be right in me. Because whether I'm at Walmart or in the church or just hanging out in a restaurant, I want goodness hanging off me. I want people to see God in my life. The reason we're here 
is to represent God. And some of us have got the wrong stuff hanging off our branches. And I want to encourage you, say no to those behaviors. And say yes to these nine fruits of the Spirit. Say no to those wrong behaviors. And say yes to what God wants to produce in your life. And watch yourself change. Watch yourself grow. Watch yourself be transformed. And the longer you do it, you realize, I don't do such and such. I hear people say, Pastor, I don't cuss nearly as much as I used to. Well, you shouldn't be cussing at all, but thank God for progress. Amen? Say right. Say yes to the right stuff. Say no to the wrong stuff. And you'll grow closer to God day by day. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love and your grace, Lord. Thank you for giving us replacement behavior. Thank you for showing us what you want our lives to look like. Thank you for revealing to us in your word what you would have us to exemplify day by day as we walk through this evil world. Help us, God, to be filled with your fruit. Help us to look the way you want us to look. Help us to say no to the wrong say yes to the right. Thank you for providing us what is right. We desire to love you. We desire to serve you. We desire to bring you glory. So we ask you to fill us with your spirit. Do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Change us, mold us, shape us, transform us, renew our minds. Teach us what you want us to know. Give us a desire to surrender to our old selves and come alive to the newness that you've given us. Give us a passion to surrender every aspect of our life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You are Lord. You should be in control of every area of our life. We have no rights to act wrong. So we need your help. And we ask you, change us for your glory. Use us for your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.